Well, good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord? Stand to your feet. Prepare your hearts for worship. Yahweh is in the house. God is in the house. The Holy Spirit is in the house. His power is in the house. And you are about to encounter the power of God this morning. Hallelujah. Cathedral of Faith, somebody shout hallelujah. Clap your hands with us.
cathedral of faith, who is like our God? One more time, somebody shout hallelujah in the sanctuary. Father, we love you, we bless you, we set our eyes upon you in this moment. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all of God's people shouted, amen and amen.
Cathedral of Faith, do you believe what you're singing right now? Do you believe that? Think about what you're saying. You have plans for me. That's straight from scripture. Many are the plans. Do you believe that you have a, a plan given to you from God? Do you believe that today? You're living this out, you're walking this out. I believe that every single one of us have a course that God's given to us. And that's our responsibility to walk that course. But I want you to know that God's holding on to you in this moment too. And that the faith that you have is not that you are strong enough, wise enough, and bright enough to complete it. It's that he who began a good work in you is faithful, is faithful, is faithful. He's faithful to complete it. He's faithful to complete it. But all of us know that it's very easy to get beaten up along the way. We get sick, we get hurt, we make decisions that aren't wise. We get weak in our faith. Sometimes we turn the wrong way. Sometimes we, we don't feel like there is hope. We get lost, our eyes get off track. But these moments are times where we gather together to center in on what we believe. This is where we gather in and we circle around not the production, we circle around the presence of our God and we remind ourselves who stands in the middle of all this, who the real author and the finisher of our faith is, it's Jesus. And right here, Jesus wants to meet us in this moment. We're gonna take just a few moments and we just want to make a moment. I believe that God has plans for you, but you need to believe it for yourself. And I believe that if you are in a place where you need God to give you direction, inspiration, you need to give, he needs, you need hope, you need energy, you need wisdom, you need breakthrough, you need deliverance, healing, whatever it may be. There are people that are circling the aisles right now and if you have the courage to do so, would you step out into that aisle and allow someone to come along in agreement and pray with you for your journey? This is a moment, this is a moment that you can step into agreement with someone else and ask for whatever it is that you're, is on your heart in this moment. So as we continue to just sing just a little bit more, step out into this moment. Step out into this moment. Let someone come along inside and pray with you. In Jesus' name.
us, Father, we declare that your word will remain. It will come to pass. If you stand for us, what could possibly be standing against us? You have plans for us, and our story has just begun. And we stand on this fact that our God will never fail. We build our life right here on the firm foundation, and all God's people shouted, amen, amen and amen. Come on, how about one more time? Lift up a shout of praise. Lift up an ovation of praise. Come on. What a great statement. I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation, amen? As you're being seated, turn to someone next to you and say, he is a firm foundation. You see, here at this service, as we gather, that's exactly what we do. Jesus is the foundation of our life. And every time we lift a song in worship, every time we hear a sermon and the truth comes to our heart, every time we pray for someone or someone prays for us, we get strengthened, we build, get built up, we get encouraged, we become more like Jesus. So welcome to Construction of Faith, I mean Cathedral of Faith. Yes. God is building us here, amen? Yes. He's building us together, and I believe that by the time you finish watching this service online or finish being here on the service somewhere on campus, you're gonna be encouraged, you're gonna be strengthened, you're gonna be built up in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Healing in Jesus' name. Well, we're so glad you're all here today, especially those of you who are guests with us. In the pew in front of you and up on the screen, you'll see a QR code. Hey, Pastor Kurt, pull out your camera. Here's what you do. You take your camera out, you put it on that QR code, and then can you register? Yes. Good. I'd love to have you join the now. So what happens is you can go there, find out what we're doing, how you can connect, what's going on at Cathedral. You can find out all kinds of things there about how to connect with social media. And we'd encourage you to join with us so that you too can be built up. Amen? Construction of faith, I love it. Well, also I have in my hand our Connect, Grow, Serve brochure. This is very important. Over the next couple of weeks, there are so many ways that you can connect with God and others. You can grow in your faith. You can grow in your Christian maturity. You can serve others. Every day of the week, there's something you can do. And so pick up one of these at the guest center or go to our website. And while you're there, you can see what's going on and be part of us, be part of this family as we connect together. Well, thank you so much for your prayers. It's great to be back from Israel. You can see on the screen, there were 50 of us from Cathedral of Faith who went to Israel. We had a phenomenal time. We walked in the footsteps of Jesus. We were on the Sea of Galilee. We, we didn't walk on water. Um, I don't know, did you, Alice? I don't know, no, okay. So, and we also were baptized in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized. We walked the Via Dolorosa where Jesus carried the cross for you and me. And we went to the empty tomb. You know, I need to tell you something. I've never been so excited all my life to see nothing. <laughs> the tomb was empty, he's alive, he's risen, amen? So, Pastor Kurt, what was your favorite part of this trip? Well, there was a lot of great moments, but I thought one of the highlights was just getting to meet and hang out with the 50 folks that were coming to get to know them better. But as far as the spiritual part, definitely the baptism service in the Jordan River. Yeah, that was a powerful time. And I want to encourage you, another couple of years we'll be going again. If you start putting away like 100 bucks a month right now, by the time it's time to go, you'll be all saved up and ready to go with us. It's the trip of a lifetime. You'll never see the Bible the same way again. It's such a great moment. Well, speaking of the Bible, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, God creates Adam and Eve and puts them in the garden. And that's what this weekend's about, creation care, about caring for what God's given to us. In between services, we had a blessing of the animals. In fact, we have a guest with us today. Here comes Pastor Ken's wife, Elisa, with one of their family members, Angus. Let's welcome Angus as he comes. So this, he's an Irish wolfhound. Come on, buddy, come on. 
He's an Irish wolfhound. Uh, and, uh, you know, this was the dog of kings. One Irish king had 300 of them. And, you know, uh, President Kennedy had a wolfhound. Our friend Robert Downey has one. And Pastor Kennedy's had one. So how old is Angus? Angus is a year and a half. A year and a half. So he's a puppy. Yeah. And about how much does he weigh? Um, he's about 160. About 160 pounds. And uh, will he get much bigger? Uh, he, might, he might fill out just a little bit. So maybe another 10, 20 pounds. So sort of like all of us as we get older, filling out a little more. <laughs> yeah, good boy. Well, this is the time. We, today we bless the animals and we're just so thankful for... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, who's in charge? Who's in charge? (laughs) That's right. So what a blessing. Let's hear it for Angus and and Pastor Ken's wife, Elisa. Well, you know, one of the things that Jesus did, if you were with Jesus and he was walking along with the disciples, he would say to the disciples, hey, look at that widow over there. See what she's doing? That's what I want you to do. Or he'd say to the disciples, look at that shepherd. This is what I want you to be. He loved to point out people around them and say, here's what you can learn from them. And yesterday we had the privilege and yet the very difficult moment of celebrating the life of one of our church family members here at Cathedral of Faith for the past 50 plus years. Jack Horton, we celebrated his life yesterday. He was an amazing man who was a blessing to Cathedral. You don't know it, but he has blessed you many, many times because he did the same thing Jesus did. Here's what Jesus did. If you want to know what Jesus is doing, the disciples were talking to him and he says, this is what I'm going to do. I will build my church. And that's what Jack did. Literally, he built Spiritually, generously, he built. He was an amazing man of God who knew the principles of sowing and reaping, blessed to be a blessing. And I know, Pastor Kurt, he was really, really significant in your life. That's right. Other than my dad and my brother, he was the biggest mentor in my life. Uh, Jack Horton, he was a dear family friend, and he would come every second service with Nancy, and they would sit right back here near these structural columns, and they were like structural columns. They were solid, rock solid. They stood with our church in the early days. 57 years ago, they were part of the pioneering families here, along with my buddy Sam here with my dad's best friend. And, uh, you know, Jack went to Campbell High School. It's closed now, but when he was in high school, he met his high school sweetheart, Nancy, and he became a sheetrocker right out of high school, started hanging sheetrock, and then him and Nancy got married, and he got his contractor's license when he was 21 years old, and then he was about 30-ish when my dad came to San Jose. They were part of our church, but Jack and Nancy were instrumental in every part of our church life. When our church was growing in the 70s, they helped find this property right here where we're at. It was sale. We paid a whopping $450,000 in 1976 for it. He literally helped. We had all kinds of challenges building the Cathedral of Faith. With Jack's help, he literally helped us build the Cathedral of Faith. And not only did he help build the Cathedral of Faith, he also helped build the Learning Center. And then when I graduated college, he took me under his wing and we built the Reaching Out Center, then we built the Family Life Center, and then we built the Horton Youth Center, and then we've done all kinds of remodeling projects together. And Jack did this all voluntarily while running a thriving company and other investment endeavors because he stood, he stood with this church when it was on its mountaintops, and he stood with the church when it was at the very lows, when the church ran out of money building this sanctuary, they said it was Foreman's Folly. It would never happen. Jack and Nancy helped sell a business, a lot of family sacrifice to keep us going. But every, literally, their love, I tell people when I give a tour, their, their love literally surrounds wherever you go on our campus. Every piece of sheetrock that you see has been donated by Jack and Nancy Horton on our entire campus. And only God knows... And just behind the scenes thing, some people may not realize this. They may say, well, did my dad ask them to do any of this? Never. My dad never asked anybody to do anything other than to be obedient to God. And they always stepped up and are obedient and sowed a seed. And look what God has done in over these 57 years. Only God, 
knows the seed, all the thousands of lives that our church has touched throughout all the year, these years. And when people ask, you know, why is, you know, why tell them why our church is a great church? Is because it's not because of my mom and dad. You know, they were great pastors. My brother's a great preacher. We got a great staff. But it's because of people like you. Because of Jack and Nancy Horton that love people, that make this place where everyone is welcome. We have a great legacy of faith. Here's my other dad down here, best friends with my dad. Sam and Sue still coming every week to help champion what God is doing here at Cathedral. And I know Jack is in heaven with my dad, arm around it. My dad's cheering us on, amen? And, you know, what Jack and Nancy believed is what my dad believed and what we believe here at Cathedral of Faith, that, you know, don't, ester- don't underestimate the power of a seed. The seed is our life. God, everything starts with a seed. We are born, and what we do with our life, our talents, our time, and our resources is what makes a difference. And God wants each of us, this is always a time to say, what are we doing with our life? God wants you to partner. He wants to take what's in your hand and give it to him because God wants to release what's in his hand so you can be a blessing not only to your family but to the, the people of this community, amen? amen? So I want to give you a round of applause, Cathedral, for helping sow seed. And only God knows what's going to happen in the days ahead. There's lots of easy ways to give. You can give online through the app at the end of service. But thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your generosity. We appreciate it. And we are believing that the best is yet to come. Well, I hope you have your hearts prepared. My brother's got an incredible message. Let's hear it from my brother. everybody. What an exciting day. God is good. And all the time. Thanks so much for being here, wherever you're at, on site, in the building, out in the amphitheater, the parking lot, and those who are part of our online community. Thank you for joining with us. Now, if you've been around the church for a while, then you'll know that I'm more of a dog person than I am a cat person. And sometimes I give cat people a bit of grief. And one of our parishioners, she called me out one time. And she gave me this sheet of paper. And on it, there was a picture of a cat. And she said, what's all this about cats, Pastor Ken? She said, don't forget the first three letters of cathedral are (laughs) C-A-T. Oh, I love it. So for all of you cat people in the audience, I found what are called the Ten Commandments of Cats. So see how you measure up today. Number one is, I am thy cat, thou shalt have no other pets before me. (laughs) Number two is, thou shalt post pictures of me being cute upon the internet. Number three is, thou shalt not ignore me. Number four is, remember my food bowl and keep it full. Like this guy up here, living the dream. Number five is, honor my every whim and desire. (laughs) Number six is, thou shalt bring me toys to kill. Number seven is, thou shalt have thy lap ready in case I want to lie in it. Number eight is, thou shalt not disturb me when I am sleeping. (laughs) Number nine is, thou shalt not bear false witness when we're going to the vet. And then number 10 is, thou shalt keep me happy at all times. How do you do that? That's why I'm not a cat person. How about if we give it up for all the cat people in the audience today? Yeah, you're amazing. We are taking a deep dive into the Ten Commandments. I mentioned they could also be called Ten Steps to the Good Life because they really show us a pathway of how to be a human being fully alive, made in the image of God. Of God, And so we continue that study today. I invite you, if you would, to stand with me for the reading of the scripture. If everyone would stand, the first commandment 
we summed it up this way. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's great. Last week we talked about let God be God. And today we go to the third commandment, and I invite you to read it out loud with me. Everybody, let's declare this together. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The Amplified Version puts it this way. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, that is, irreverently, in false affirmations, or in ways that impugn the character of God. For the Lord will not hold guiltless nor leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain. What does it mean to take the name of God in vain? Well, the Hebrew word that we translate in vain actually means to empty. Think of it this, this way. The name of God is, is full. It's full of meaning, full of significance, full of authority, and full of power. And when we take the God, when we take God's name in vain, what we do is we empty it. We empty it of meaning. We empty it of significance. And we treat it as worthless. And the Bible says don't do that. Instead, you want to treat God's name properly. Treat God with respect. Now, the main name that the ancient Hebrews used for God was Yahweh. It's the name God had given to Moses, Yahweh. And they had such reverence for the name that they never used it. They didn't speak of it in conversation. They didn't speak of it in church. They were so afraid of misusing the name that they did not use the name of God at all. But I'm not sure if that's what the commandment wants us to do. I'm not sure if that's what any of the commandments want us to do. I mean, on the one hand, most of the commandments, they start out with a negative. Thou shalt not do this. But implied is the positive. Instead of doing this, thou shalt do this. And that's what Jesus does with this command. He takes the negative, thou shalt not misuse the name of God, and he, instead he tells us to pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. May your name be revered. And so for the next few moments, I invite you to think with me about how can we can, well, not misuse the name of God, but use the name of God in a proper way. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this moment in time. Thank you for all of these wonderful folks at Cathedral, friends, guests who are with us on the journey. I pray that you would meet us in this moment, that this week our lives can be different, genuinely different, authentically different, because we've met you at some point during this service. Transformation, God, that's what our hearts desire. Start with me. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Can we give God praise one more time? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. Praise God. Say that with me. Pra praise God. Say it again. Praise, praise God. God. Look at somebody before you're seated and tell them, praise God. Go ahead and do that. How can we use God's name in a proper way? Well, I want to give you four things to think about. And the first one has to do with this. That we think about the respect that God's name deserves. There was a headline a while back in the Wall Street Journal, and it read, We're cursing more. Blame the pandemic. Stress, the erosion of boundaries between personal and professional, and an exhausted slide toward casualness have created a perfect storm for swearing. And when you step back and you look at it, it seems to me that he's right, that our language and our culture has just gotten coarser and coarser 
and there's this perfect storm that we find ourselves in. And the third commandment reminds us to rise above that storm. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, another translation reads, No using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. In other words, this commandment calls us to be countercultural. And in the midst of this swearing storm, to rise above that storm. To not take God's name and connect it to a curse word. How do we do this? Well, perhaps, perhaps, if we remember that wherever we go, there God is. Wherever I go, there God is. I enjoy playing golf, and if you've played golf at all, you know it can be a very frustrating game. In fact, someone once said that if swearing was a crime, then golf would be illegal <laughs> because the frustration can get to you. Watch up here, and you can see the kind of frustration that golf can bring. Here's a guy doing his best. Don't you hate when that happens? And I've played with people that they get frustrated, men and women, and they start to swear, and the little squirrels on the course have to cover their ears. The language gets so bad. But I've also noticed something else that can happen on the golf course. If they know I'm a pastor, I don't have to say anything. They just try and keep their language in check. They're so gracious, they're so kind, they don't always get it right. But just because I'm present in their group, they're trying to watch what they say. And I was thinking, what if I remembered that every time I walk out onto the golf course, that God is present in that group? I wonder how that would change the way I use his name. I mean, we know that God's present in church. That's why none of us are just letting out a tirade of profanity in church. But if we remember that God's present on that job site, that God's also present around the kitchen table, and even in the midst of frustration, if I can remember that God is present, instead of taking his name and connecting it to profanity, what if I turn that around and took his name and connected it to praise. I love what Psalm 113 says. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. The name of the Lord is to be praised. And that's one of the ways... Amen. We can give God's name the respect it deserves is when we give him praise, when his praise fills our hearts and fills our minds and fills our mouths. When we speak his praise and when we clap his praise and when we sing his praise, if I tell my buddies in that golf group, look at what the Lord has done in my life. God has been so good and so gracious to me from the rising of the sun to the setting down of the sun. Let the name of the Lord be praised. Hallelujah. I'm going to give God's name the respect it deserves. So that's one way we can lean into the commandment. Now here's another way, and that's when we think about the character that his name reveals. Now, if you know somebody's name today, in our culture, it may not say that much about them, but hundreds of years ago, if a person, their last name was farmer, you know what they did? They were a farmer. If their last name was Baker, they were the town Baker. If their last name was Shoemaker, guess what they did? They were a shoemaker. That if you knew a person's last name, then you knew something about what they did and who they were. 
And when it comes to the character and the nature of God, God wants us to know who he is and what he's like. And one of the ways he reveals himself to us is through his name. Now, as I mentioned, the most sacred name in the Old Testament, the most often used name was the name Yahweh. It's used over 6,000 times, more than all the other names of God combined. And Yahweh basically means this. It was the name God gave to Moses. It basically means that I am the source and sustainer of everything. Everything. The sun and the moon, the oceans and the mountains, all the fur babies that are out in the amphitheater waiting to be blessed. I am the source of it all. In him, we live and we move and have our being. I am Yahweh and I am your God. Now the name, yeah, let's give him praise, amen. The name in the New Testament that's used most often of God is Father. In fact, I heard about a dad, he was, uh, with his little boy, and they were getting ready to pray their bedtime prayer. And the little boy started his prayer off with this, Harold. And the dad said, wait a second. Why are you starting off your prayer with the name Harold? And the little boy said, well, I'm praying what we do in church. Our Father in heaven, Harold, be thy name. We may be used to it, but when Jesus showed up and referred to God and prayed to God as Father, nobody in human history had ever prayed to God that way. And then Jesus takes that relationship that is his by right, and he shares this with us, and he says, when you approach God, you can approach God as your heavenly Father. Think about that that your God is Yahweh, the source and sustainer of all, and the source and sustainer of everything that exists is also your heavenly Father? If his character and nature from those two names took hold of your heart, do you think that would bring down the anxiety level a bit this week? I was recently at a conference with a few of our staff called Managing Leadership Anxiety. And the book that the the, uh, presenter has written is is a great book, and it was great information. He was talking about the different things that can bring anxiety. And one of those things has to do with the issue of control. If you like to control everything, I saw this one lady who said, I hate it when I plan my day and nobody follows my script. (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? I've got a script for the day, but nobody else is listening. And so then I get all stressed out and I get all anxious. And this really is an issue of control. When I stop being human and try to be God and control everything, that's when anxiety increases in my life. But instead, if I remember that Yahweh is my God, the source and sustainer of all, He is my heavenly father. Then I can control what I'll control, but I'll let God control what he can control. And I surrender that to him. And the level of anxiety goes down and the level of trust goes up in my life. Psalm 9 verse 10 talks about this connection between knowing the name of God and trust. It says those who know your name, who really know your name, they will put their trust in you. Yahweh, Father, is your God. And we can put our trust in him. Now here's another way we can revere the name of God and give it the respect, the fullness that it deserves. And that is when we think about the reputation that his name has. The reputation that his name has. In this one Jim Carrey film, he's a dad and he never keeps his promises to his son. 
But then he has a, a radical change in his life. And now he's committed to keeping his promises to his son. And he tells his son he's going to tell him goodbye before he leaves on an airplane. And he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure he fulfills that promise. Watch the screens and see if you remember this. Flight's leaving from it's an emergency! Gate number 123, but you'll never make it. Flight's already boarding. Well, he was going to make sure he kept his promise. And you know, this is one of the main things that the third commandment has to do with, keeping our promises. Back in ancient uh, Israel, they would often make promises, and they would make promises this way. If I made a promise to my neighbor or to a customer, and I would add to the promise, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do this. And if you never intended to keep the promise that you made, or you didn't do your best to keep that promise, that it not only gave you a bad reputation, it gave God a bad reputation. And so one translation of this commandment, it reads this way in Deuteronomy. We read, you must not use the name of the Lord your God to make empty promises. Because when I become a follower of Jesus, in a way, I take on the name of God over my life. And so when I keep my promises, it gives God a good name. So if I'm in business, I should do business in a way that gives God a good name. If I'm in sports, I should do sports in such a way it gives God a good name. If I'm married, I should do marriage in such a way that it gives God a good name, that my life is about me, but it's about more than me. It's not just about my reputation. God's name is over my life, and I don't want to reflect well on his reputation. Jesus once said this, when it comes to making promises, you don't have to say this, you don't have to say that. Be a man of your word. In other words, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. And that should be good enough, amen? I'll keep my word. Say that with me. I'll keep my word. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, as my brother mentioned, uh, Jack Horton, we celebrated his home going yesterday. He was involved in so many of the construction projects. And I remember when we were getting ready to build the Reaching Out Center, and it was in the early stages, and my brother and my dad and Jack and Pastor Mike, they were in the meeting with the general contractor as we were getting ready to build that building. My dad, God had put it on his heart. We were not to build another building on our campus until we built a building that was dedicated to serving the poor. And so we're planning to build this building. We got all the negotiation done, the agreements done. And dad, my dad says, okay, to the general contractor, where do you need me to sign so we can get this thing started? And the contractor looks at my dad and he says, Pastor, you don't need to sign anything. You're a man of your word. And your word is good for me. And we're not against contracts. But your word should be good enough. That's a good reputation. And when you have a good reputation that you're a person who keeps their promises, it reflects well on the God whose name you carry. Psalm 15, verse 1 reads this way. Lord, who can live in your sacred tent? Who can stay 
on your holy mountain, they keep their promises even when it hurts. They do not change their minds. I am a person of my word. Say that with me. I am a person of my word. Let's give God praise. Amen. The cathedral, those people are people. They keep their word when they make their promise. And that brings us to this last idea. And I really want this to get in your spirit. And that's the authority that his name carries. The authority that his name carries. There was a battle in the Bible. And the Bible, well, the battle looked a little bit like this right here. It's a battle between David and Goliath. And look at those proportions, because that's about right. Goliath was much bigger, much stronger, a better warrior, better weapons, and yet David had something that Goliath did not have. David had a connection to the authority and power of the living God of the universe. And so David steps confidently onto the battlefield and he says this, he says, Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the what? In the what? In the what? The name of the Lord. And we know how that battle went down. And we know who went down in that battle. And God gives us the amazing privilege of using his name to fight the battle and to defeat the enemy. Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Walk with the sense of the authority you carry. If I just try to win the battle in my name, it's, well, imagine if I walked out here on Curtner Avenue and I got out in the middle of the road and I just held up my hand to stop traffic. Now, first people might slow down and they might stop. And they may like look to see what's going on, but eventually, guess what's gonna happen? People are gonna blow right by me. Cause they're gonna say to themselves, he didn't have the authority or power to be out there in the middle of the road with his hand up. But if a policeman steps onto that road and he holds his hand up, the policeman and I may be the same size, but he's got the authority and power of the law behind him. And they'll stop. It's one thing to say stop in the name of Ken. <laughs> it's another thing to say stop in the name of the law. If I step onto the battlefield with the enemy and I say stop in the name of Ken, this is what's going to happen. It's not going to do very much. But instead, if I step out in the authority and power of the name that's above every name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it's gonna be a whole different story, a whole different story. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 14. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, who, anyone who believes in me, let me pause right there and ask, how many believe in Jesus today? Amen? And this includes you. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Jesus gives us the privilege of using his name to defeat the enemy and further his agenda. If I try to use his name to further my agenda, that's what you call identity theft. But when I use his name to defeat the enemy and further his agenda, somebody needs to know that. Stand up today. Know that the authority and power of God is with you and for you. Stand up and tell the enemy to stop. Stop. Say that with me. Stop. As we wind things up, I'll never forget this one moment. You've seen our current Irish wolfhound, Angus. But this is our second one. We used to have another wolfhound. His name was Arthur. 
Now, Arthur was a wonderful dog, and I'll never forget one time my parents came over to visit us, and they were at the bottom of the stairs, and Arthur was at the top of the stairs. And when he saw my dad at the bottom of the stairs, Arthur and his 185 pounds comes running down the stairs. And he is looking to barrel into my dad. And my grandson sees this. Now, my grandson is about five years old at the time. And he can see what's about to take place. My dad's at the bottom of the stairs. Here comes the dog. And Eli gets in front of my, my, my dad. And he holds up his hand. And in his little voice, he shouts, stop. And it's the craziest thing you've ever seen. That 185-pound Goliath stopped dead in his tracks. He froze up like a popsicle. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. That there's something about standing up. Maybe a little hand. Maybe a little voice. But when there's an authority and power when the authority and power of Jesus is behind you, you can tell the enemy to stop and make that enemy freeze up like a popsicle. Stop. Say that with me. Stop. Say it again. Stop. Say it one more time. Stop. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege of using your name in a way that defeats the adversary and furthers your agenda. And today we tell the enemy to stop in our lives. Enemy, take your hands off of God's property. Take your hands off of families. Take your hands off of businesses. Take your hands off of finances. Take your hands off of health. In the name of Jesus, stop. And we declare that the agenda of God would be established. And as we worship you, Jesus, today, and we come to your table, let your name be upon our lips. May we revere your name in this moment. I invite you to stand with me now as we prepare our hearts to receive communion and Pastor Vaughn and Irene lead us in worship. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and His peace and His name will last forever and ever. For He is our Savior, He is our Healer, He is our Counselor, our Baptizer, and He is our soon and coming King. The Lord is a warrior and His name is the Lord. And He is the one who fights our battles and His name is above all names that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that He is Lord. Do you believe that this morning? He is Lord, let's declare it. Cause death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the bones of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. And for you I raise to life again. And you have no rival. Come on. You have no come to your table, we revere your name. And as we eat of the bread of Christ, we participate in the victory that is ours because of your authority and your power. Let's eat of the bread of Christ and receive victory. And Jesus, your blood on the cross secured our victory. And again, we stand against the works of the enemy in your authority and your power. May your kingdom come and your will be done. Let's drink in the victory of Christ. And now I invite you to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Mean it with all your heart. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. 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 Oh. Oh, yes, hallelujah. 
Oh my goodness. We serve an awesome God. God is good. And all the time. Thanks again for being here today. You know, if you need further prayer, our team will be down here to pray with you after service. And if you don't have to rush out, we'll be blessing the animals right after service over in the amphitheater. And I hope all week, this week, you'll know who your God is. Yahweh, the source and sustainer of everything, that he is your heavenly father. Amen? Walk with that authority. Amen. I love you, Cathedral. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And may Yahweh, Father, be present and with you and for you every moment of every day this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, Amen. God bless you as you go. Have an awesome week.